0: What is up everyone? Welcome to today's new That's not right. That's not right. Let me let me do this over. I, I feel like we need to change something here. Ah, better. I'm excited. What is up everyone? Welcome to last year tonight. We're not talking about the news again. We're just not gonna do that. We're doing the same thing we did last Friday. It is 2020, in review, part two. We're gonna go through each and every game of last year. Well, the notable not ones, each and every... We'd be here a lot yeah. longer yeah. if we were doing <laughs> each and every game. The notable <laughs> yeah. ones. The notable ones. The ones you guys care about. The ones we care about. I'm joined, as always, by my co-founders of Good Vibes Gaming, Ash Paulson in the upper left, Derek Bittner in the upper right, me down here on the bottom. This is our Friday routine now, I guess. I'm your host for this episode, Steve Bowling, And let's go ahead and jump right in. I'm going to throw it to our master of ceremonies, or the person with the wiki list open. What have we got on the nice. docket, Derek? Uh, well, the first
1: one that actually caught my interest, and I only heard about it because of Some Call Me Johnny, he did a spotlight on it, a game called Helltaker, which uh, came out May uh, 13th, May 11th.
2: Wait, we should viewed... probably lay out for people who maybe didn't oh, read, okay. like, watch the first episode yet, that oh, yeah, the first sorry. episode will be covered uh, January through April, and yes. so this we're, we're splitting into threes, so this yeah, today so we're covering this... May through August, so just Yeah, May, June, September. July, August.
0: Yeah, so, and yeah, I, MGM, May through August, yeah. I, I should point out because I forgot to in my rush to get into the show. Uh, yeah, that flub on the intro was intentional. Evernight Studios, being the great sport that they are, mocked me up a quick last year tonight logo, which is appearing at the bottom of your stream right now. Uh, so thanks for that, That's Evernight. Amazing. Anyway, let's uh, let's go ahead and, and break down the uh, notable games of the worst year. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I, <laughs> ahead, as I was it. saying before, a game called Helltaker, which I didn't hear about until some call me Johnny
1: and um, did a spotlight on it. And basically, it is a completely free game on Steam. There is you don't have to pay a single dime for it, uh, and it's just a very short puzzle game where you play a guy who decides he wants a harem of demon women, so he goes through hell and like each as one level, does. each level is him getting a new demon woman to put in his harem and the insanity that (laughs) ensues and it has great music pretty challenging you know the balance puzzles start off not too bad but they do get challenging toward the end it only takes you like 30 minutes but again it's free so i don't know i just thought it was kind of notable because one i've seen a bit of a fandom rise up around it at least on twitter and two, it's just one of those rare things like the only way you can p- really pay this creator for it is um, a soundtrack, which I believe comes for a recipe for with comes with a recipe for pancakes, which makes sense in context of the game.
0: <laughs> Interesting. Hmm. Um, yeah, I've not heard of this. This is really cool. I'm Googling it now. And I've never either. I, I guess it makes sense if you're gonna find a date in 2020 to go to hell to do it <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah i i like the art i think the art style is mm. really cool i would play this i would play the hell out of this so yeah i might i might actually do it in an, an afternoon easily yeah this yeah. is i like the Seems way the the guy is uh wearing an apron that says satan in some of the promotional <laughs> artwork for this yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting because
1: not only do you have to, like, it's a movement puzzle, so you can only have so many moves in order to get to it, and you got to find the right path in order to get to where you need to go in order to capture the the demon lady. And uh, even when you get to them, you have to say the right thing to them. So if you fail, you have to redo the puzzle and do it again. Oh, so wow. So there's a huh. slight dating sim to it, not a lot, but a very good soundtrack, as uh, what, uh, what Taniak uh, mentions here. But just a small little thing. Uh, but yeah, you know, that's all cool. There's actually quite a few small games that I personally didn't play, but I heard a lot of people really enjoy uh, this mm-hmm. year or uh, for this month. Next one that came up a lot. Uh, Neil from uh, Nintendo World Report loves this game. I've never even looked at it. Uh, May 13th, Super Mega Baseball Three.
2: Have I've, either I've heard of you a lot looked at this? this. Yeah, I think like mostly I
1: from Neil because he is always championing this game.
2: I mean, you know, it isn't just baseball; it's super and it's mega. It's not even one or the mm. other; it's both, and it's three. <laughs> so they they you know, they're <laughs> really one of these. They're really putting it all together here. So yeah, I, I've heard um, a lot of good things about this game. I don't really care about baseball uh, in video games or otherwise, but you know, apparently it's really fun. Um, I do want to back up a week or so really quick just to highlight oh, okay. John Wick Hex just because back back at the time when it came out I always thought it was funny only because it's a strategy game. And like when I think John Wick, pretty much the last thing I think is like strategy. I guess it's action no. and strategy, but you know, it's it's John freaking Wick, man. Like I just always thought it seemed like such a strange approach to to that IP, I guess. Because when I think John Wick, I think hardcore action. Um, and weirdly enough, it was composed by Austin Wintry, who did the uh, soundtracks for like Journey and Abzu. So just a little weird, weird bit of trivia there. But I just remember I heard when that game came out, I was like, what?
1: Great for Me like, too. A little I heard I great. about like, it. Eh. I heard it was okay. Um, yeah. But eh. the other one yeah. that uh, is kind of smaller, I, I say smaller game, but it, it really it's surprising it wasn't bigger. Because it came from 3D Realms, Ion Fury. I think got it. into a yeah, that, I heard about this. it. It was supposed to come out under a different name and there was some sort of legal dispute on it, dispute on it. So it had to be changed to Ion Fury. Let me look here. But uh uh old school throwback to first person
0: shooters. So Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I yeah. I do remember hearing about this. Yeah. I need to I, I need definitely
2: to... heard about it. But only in kind of see. like an abstract sense because I don't really follow shooters much, but I, I know that it that it was, you know, it, it made a bit of a splash at the time that it came out, mm-hmm. especially coming from 3D Realms.
1: Let's see. I think it was originally called Ion Maiden, and then the band Iron Maiden was like, no. Oh.
0: <laughs> yeah, this definitely has some very strong, like, uh, Doom 2 or Quake vibes to it. I'm, like a- I said,
1: 3D Realms, it was, uh, Duke Nukem... Yeah, for uh, Duke Nukem 3D, I think this would be.
0: This is pretty cool, actually. I love uh, when people make these games that are like callbacks to the you know mid '90s, like visually. Uh, I there was something charming about how limited we were in our ability to portray stuff like this. We were in this like nascent stage of trying to get like realistic graphics and it you know obviously they don't even come close by today's standards but mm, there is a right. weird charm to these like primitive uh, looking uh, archetypes for games we still you know see modern versions of this is this is yeah. cool I'm, I'm picking this up
1: well nice. maybe hold off on that because Uh-oh. Michael phone in the chat saying is saying this game had some controversies about the devs being extremely homophobic Which uh, is-
0: uh, oh,
2: well that's uh, not good Can
0: people just make games and not do bad things? Right? right?
2: It's so easy not to be a douchebag. It is the easiest thing. Right. Like the making the game part
0: is hard. Exactly. (laughs) It's it's the not being a a piece of crap that's the easy part. Like just wake up and be like, maybe I'm not going to say a homophobic or racist thing today. (laughs)
2: Yeah. It it amazes me that people have to try at that.
0: Yeah, Yeah, like, oh, I want to offend someone so bad, I'm just holding it in. I gotta, I gotta. (laughs) I hate it when
2: people being crappy, like, ruins good things. Yeah, when it looks cool and
1: interesting, and then you find out the creator is like, yeah, I'm a piece of crap.
2: Yeah, it's like, (laughs) I think I mentioned this before, but like, my my wife and I both love Harry Potter, but it's so hard to do that as freely now, given, you know, what what she who shall not be named turned out to be like. And... (laughs) It's just it it sucks when such cool things are are not ruined. I know Harry Potter is still awesome, but like it just sucks when when it brings that down, you know. Yeah.
0: The one yeah. thing I like to remind people is that at least in the case of something huge like Harry Potter, Harry Potter belongs to the fans now. Like Right. right. It, so much it has does. been done with it since those books came out forever ago, like she she can just you know, take a take a take a hike. Like we don't need her now. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, as um, Wataniak also mentions, Dragon Quest Eleven. Yeah. I mean, it does help that the music is the worst part of that game. At, at least I can say yeah. that, yes, the game is amazing. And the music, while some of it's great, it is easily the most disappointing part of the game. And he's the most disappointing person who's worked on it. So
1: right, works the, the, out. Yeah, at least the what? actual creators. That makes it a little easier to just exactly. take out the composer from it. Right. Yeah. The other
0: thing is, I mean, games. Dragon Quest Eleven, like, you know, a game like that had dozens if not hundreds of people working on it so like you know one person out of out of a huge group of people that make an excellent game i don't think that that necessarily disqualifies people from enjoying the game now on the other hand when we're talking about uh this ion ion fury game which is probably tree, made yeah. by a much smaller group of crappy people. <laughs> then it makes it right. harder to to go out and give them your money because, you know, it's like, oh, this team of three guys and they're all awful. Not us. Mm. We're three <laughs> great guys. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it, it, well, it's funny.
2: Uh, Wataniak in the chat talks about how there's a joke going on for a while that Daniel Radcliffe wrote the, the Harry Potter books. And that's true. And there is a related joke. And this is a segue uh, that Miku, Hatsune Miku, also wrote the Harry Potter books because there's, a, there's like this running gag with, with Hatsune Miku. That if someone is like a creator turns out to be an asshole, that she is now responsible for whatever they did. So there is a joke going around that Hatsune Miku was the author of Harry Potter. The most the prolific for a creator while, of all time. <laughs> exactly. And that brings me to our next game of, of uh, or at least notable game of May for me. And that's Hatsune Miku Project Eva Megamix, which uh, Derek Youth, uh, you called out last episode because it came out in January, yeah. I think, in Japan, or February right. maybe. Um, but it, it came out uh, in the rest of the world in May on May 15th to be exact and I had wanted uh, Miku on the Switch from the beginning and this game did not disappoint great game I believe it was the last review I did for GX might have been the last one uh very happy with how that turned out I think I gave it a like a lot um it's it's a great game if you like rhythm games if you like Miku uh or even if you don't and you're interested in checking out what she's all about this is a great entry point into the series it's got like over 100 songs uh, several different ways to play, multiple difficulty-led levels. It's, it can be very easy or very difficult, depending on where you fall in the uh, the skill rhythm game skill spectrum. So, yeah, I love Miku. I've made no secret of that, and this is a great entry in the series.
1: Nice. Nice. I Yeah, I remember every time I, would, I was always able to get Miku code. <laughs> I was yeah. like, well, here you go, Ash. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of worked out, out, and people would definitely come for your uh, Miku Miku reviews, review, excuse me. And uh Yeah,
2: no, it's just I've always I've always loved, I mean, I've I've always been pretty open about the fact that I love, you know, hyper colorful, visually dazzling, uh you know, like, you know, happy, high-energy electronic music, uh digital pop, you know, that's it's everything, that's what Miku's all about. That's all the stuff Miku is all about and and yeah. the other Vocaloids. So, yeah, if you just want a injection of pure color and happy into your veins, Miku's the way to go, and this is a great, great entry in the series. Nice, nice.
1: Well, I guess the next one we can talk about is from May nineteenth, the wonderful one hundred and one remastered. Was this was a very big right? deal. The patron Patreon did extremely well, and then it came out
0: and, no and it disappeared, one
1: cared. as far as I can tell. Yeah. Like yeah, I think I about it came really about as well just, as the original.
0: Yeah. I am guilty of this, man. So, um, I got sent like a digital copy of it because my, uh, physical copy was delayed from the Kickstarter and I installed it. And then like two months later, my, my physical copy showed up and I opened it and I never played either. <laughs> like, they're, they're both just sitting there. I'm like, and I'm thinking like, man, I supported this just because I wanted the fans of this game Mm -hmm. to get what they want like Mm, i i remember playing it on the wii u and being like i don't like this (laughs) i just (laughs) i i was just like yeah all right this is not my thing and i just you know i had my shenmue 3 moment i was really happy that that came out that the kickstarter succeeded and so i just wanted to like put give something back to fans of a of a different franchise. So I I bought it and it's still sitting there. And every now and then I think, well, I did pay for it. I should definitely try it. And I'm like, but why? (laughs) Like I, I have no desire. I've heard some
1: amazing things about like specifically the last level being just crazy over the top and fun. But I just, I, and I do want to play it at some point, but I mean, I have a, uh, theoretically better, uh, platinum game on my backlog that I need to get to Which is uh, Astral Chain That so, is not yeah, theoretically better That is objectively better
0: <laughs> And yeah. anyone who says gotta... there's no such thing As an objective opinion That is one of them <laughs> <laughs> Nice
2: I mean yeah I have to say I, I'm with you Steve I, As much as I uh, love the, uh, the impact Wonderful 101 had It's obviously a cult favorite I played the Wii U demo back in the day too And I bounced right off it I, It never did anything for me Uh, But I'm really glad I didn't I didn't back remastered myself. Uh, I I think it's awesome that you did just so fans could get what they want. And uh, and then fans did. I it seems as though fans were pretty happy with how remastered turned out. But as you guys said, it kind of came out and then silence. It was
1: basically there for those fans. And that's about it. I don't think it got any newcomers.
2: Yeah. Uh and it, yeah, it certainly wasn't ever my thing, but I did enjoy doing the uh interview with you, Derek, uh back at Game Explain. You and I uh oh, did yeah. some wonderful one on one remastered interviews at PAX East. And that was pretty cool. Yeah, like Kamiya and, yeah. Uh, and and yeah, that was a lot of fun.
0: I it is so funny. Uh John also did an interview with Kamiya for Game Explain, and I set that interview up and I remember thinking the whole time this dude has me blocked on Twitter. Like, I (laughs) I really want it, like, and I'm emailing, and he's included on them, and I want to be like, yo, man, why did you even do that? We've never talked. (laughs) Like, uh, you know, whatever. At this point, I see it as a badge of honor. But, yeah, it was, uh, I think the interviews that, I I don't know. I think, if I remember correctly, I was, like, talking about something like I don't reply to or I didn't at that point in time reply to Camille's tweets at all I would read them mm-hmm. because they're genuinely funny um, but somebody decided to tag him in a reply on a thread that I was on and he just blocked me and I don't oh, know God. for what like I was just like oh man uh, I got caught in the proverbial crossfire on this one but uh, whatever if you're out there Kamia, we'll, we'd love to interview you on GVG and you can keep me blocked on Twitter it's fine
2: there you go right that's fine. right um by the way in the chat uh Titus Malvolia says still out driving for my job was taking a breather and notice you all are live so I wanted to pop in and say thank you guys for being you and for what you're doing with GVG Aww. well thank you so much for the kind words and thank you yeah. for being you and supporting yeah, us seriously
0: man. absolutely
1: that's amazing um Alright, well moving on from the wonderful 101 The next big release uh, From what I could tell Was Minecraft Dungeons uh, On May 26th Now I know none of us really plays Minecraft But was any of us interested in a Diablo-esque Version of Minecraft?
0: Which I don't even think I
1: heard much about From fans for this one Yeah,
0: this is another game where I played the demo And I just bounced right off I was at E3 I think and they had it And I tried it, you know, Nintendo had it in their booth and, uh, you know, especially during the GX days, it was a priority to try like everything at the Nintendo booth. So I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, Minecraft Dungeons and no one's playing it, which should have told me all I needed to know. But (laughs) I jumped Mm -hmm. in and played it and I was just like, it's not bad, but it's not exciting either. Like, it's just a kind of like a a plain vanilla game. Like, it doesn't capture what people love about Minecraft and it doesn't capture what people love about Diablo. It's just kind of there.
1: Well, right. at least Pirate Jake loves it. So hey, at least I, I'm glad hey, you enjoyed yeah. it, man. That's to be clear.
0: Point. My opinion does not matter if you love a game. Yeah like, don't don't take me saying I don't like it as me saying you shouldn't like it. Right. I am absolutely mm-hmm. thrilled that you know y- anybody loves it. If you're having a good time with a game, keep having that good time. I just might not yeah. have that same experience.
1: Exactly. Right. I, that's hey, that's great. I'm I'm glad when somebody can have a like. I'm jealous when somebody can have a fun time with a game same. that I can't. That's that's yeah. my general feeling. It's like, damn you. Yep.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, that's like how I feel about every single Final Fantasy twelve fan. Like, I get that people love it. I get that it's a great game if you approach it with a certain mindset, I guess. And and I wish I could enjoy it the way other people did. Like, I, I hear you guys. Like, I, I love it when pe- people are able to enjoy games. I can't.
1: Mm-hmm uh azran said uh on the bright side minecraft dungeons did give us more music for smash so um uh so for that i thank it <laughs> so yeah that's True. where they had to pull most of the music from because there's just no music in actual minecraft right yeah so yeah it's a good that's, perspective that's about what i expected honestly uh when it comes to minecraft dungeons but then a day later the big day even though really not for steve fantasy star <laughs> online 2
0: yeah man uh you know we skipped over the xbox release uh in our previous episode uh yeah it it was up there somewhere And, and that's fine it's fine like i was really really excited for this uh just because of the fact that it meant that more people would get to play this game and and that's bared out like it seems like it's you know it's not lighting the world on fire but it seems to be doing well enough that it's a Going concern for sega in the west and that to me is really important because the new uh i don't even know if you call it like a sequel or a new expansion um but that's coming out and i think that they're trying to reach some kind of parity with japan so that these things happen oh, okay. on or around the same time Uh, My hope is that, you know, at some point they just converge the servers into one big environment once people... Because they said they didn't do it because they didn't want people to catch up and because of infrastructure reasons. But this worked on the Dreamcast in 2000. So you can't Mm -hmm. tell me that you can't, like, have one global set of servers. But I'm, I'm really happy that people are playing it now. I think that the one thing I do miss is, like, PSO2 in Japan is wildly popular, so they have all kinds of like crazy collaborations. Like right now, uh, you can get uh yakuza like a dragon cosmetics in pso2 in japan so you can dress your guy up as ichiban um they had like disgaea outfits i have like on my old japanese account i have like a 7-eleven uniform (laughs) like just all kinds of weird stuff that uh you can get in that game it's really cool i hope that they bring some of those wackier collabs to the u.s version but i'm just glad people are playing it man when this happened at e3 and i know you guys know like i lost my shit like i started screaming Mm. i was so excited (laughs) oh i remember so yeah so yeah PSO 2 if you haven't played it go play it it's absolutely worth your time it is a top-notch action game and because it's like massively multiplayer it's really kind of in a class of its own right now i i it and it's free it's free to play go try it there you go <laughs> you know if you have a yeah. pc or an xbox
1: yeah right well a day later it's been a heck of a day a set of days apparently. Uh, we got Shantae and the Seven S- Seven Sirens uh, officially released for, well, the complete version on m- mobile and, of course, uh, uh, all the other systems for that. And yeah. uh, we actually had uh, Kaylin review it for us over on GX. I asked her to take care of it just because we were... Oh, I know what I was busy with. There's a game coming up later, in the, <laughs> later uh, here. So, yeah, they definitely needed that help. Um, and... I you know I wasn't I, I was like I was kind of th- like thrown off by her review at first because she says like I'm not into platformers but it feels really easy and all that I'm like mm, we'll see what I think and then I played it myself was like yeah this game is really easy like
2: yeah it, it, great I, presentation I it
1: well.
0: mm-hmm. fun
1: story um, there's some really good stuff in it my god is this brain de- uh like so brain dead boring <laughs> not well brain dead yeah. easy and well I think. One of the worst oh, map systems I've seen in a while, too.
2: Really bad map system. I, I I had kind of a feeling that because this game started off as an Apple Arcade exclusive,
1: mm. that
2: maybe there was some sort of clause in, in in their contract with WayForward that WayForward couldn't change the game too much between the Apple Arcade version and the eventual console and PC releases. Because this does kind of... I, mean, I love Shantae, but this does mm. feel kind of like a mobile game repurposed for consoles. Uh, way, way, in, in, a, in a way that uh, the other Shantae games have not. Uh, especially 3 and 4. So, you can definitely tell that it originated as a mobile game. It is incredibly easy. They didn't rebalance the difficulty uh, for the console versions. And as you said, Derek, terrible map system. And, and like, even, even just the ability to leave little, like, check marks on the map, yeah. a, a areas of interest, where you need to go back to, would have gone such a long way. And I... I I'm shocked that they didn't implement that, and I know a bunch of the people who worked on it, and I know that they would have given their game design sensibilities. So that makes me think that maybe there is some sort of parody clause, uh, you know. And I don't I don't know that for sure. I'm just speculating, but yeah, there there were some weird blemishes with Shantae and the Seven Sirens that seems like that seemed like they should have existed. Uh, right. But that said, I still finished the game. It, it was fun. Yeah, um, too easy, obviously. The writing was great, as Shantae usually is. Uh, and it's funny about the story because the story and the setting reminded me so much of Mega Man Legends, and I'm sure that wasn't on yeah. purpose. But just the whole idea of, of the whole thing taking place on an island, uh, like a bespoke island that isn't part of like the rest of you know, you don't really ever see the outside world um, outside of that island, and it's all kind of a self contained story. And there's like ancient ruins and an ancient civilization. It just reminded me a lot of Mega Man Legends. So uh, cool yeah, game! I like but the return to the Metroidvania style. It
1: it makes it hard to compare to Half-Genie Hero because Half-Genie Hero is so much more level-based and this is a full-on Metroidvania, which I enjoyed, but it needed a better map system because of that. And uh, The thing is, I like the way the presentation is just constantly improving with Shantae. Those animated cutscenes were great. Yeah, they were great.
2: They're finally getting more
1: voice acting. Yeah, Finally getting more voice acting in there. It it feels good to get it up to that point and see Mm -hmm. it just take off it feels like we're one more game away from having full voice acting uh just all the elements coming together for it to make a truly fantastic game that can rival Pirate's Curse because I still lift that up as the best Pirate's Um, Curse is
2: still my favorite especially given that that's kind of what started the whole Metroidvania style in Shantae and it still has done it the best it's way better actually
1: the original game is pretty Metroidvania
2: it is you're right actually it is you're right good point I feel yeah. like, yeah, I guess it's, it's, uh, Pirate's Curse is the one that's more visible and kind of the one that kind of brought the series maybe more into the mainstream. But you're right. Yeah. The first game is pretty Metroidvania-ish as well. hmm So.
1: Oh, what a shame. Obviously, Steve plays this game a ton. Yeah, yeah man.
0: Oh, I'm the like a Shantae thing. pro. She's a genie. Uh-huh. A half of one. A hero, <laughs> I hear. Um. The other thing about
2: this game, unfortunately, was that uh, for the first time, Jake Vert Kaufman did not do the soundtrack. And that was a huge step down. I mean, respect to to the person who did the music. There were a few, you know, pretty good tunes in the game, especially the main town theme. But, you know, when you're put next to Jake Kaufman, it's pretty much anybody's most people aren't going to measure up to that and right. there's that, you know, yeah. the, the soundtrack definitely is a step
0: down. you know michael michael phone makes a great point in the chat it's very clear that uh shantae suffered because Wayford had to shift all their resources to bakugan which you know true game of the year <laughs> candidate yeah but, uh, clearly y- y- yeah. you can't have a shantae and, and a game of bakugan caliber in development at the same time one has to one has yeah, to take some impossible. cuts mm-hmm. <laughs> it's real triple a <AAA> stuff <laughs>
1: Yeah. Uh, well, con- to continue this last uh, week of May just being just release after release after release, uh, May 29th gave us Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition, which. Uh, <laughs> just yeah. the best version of that game um, yeah. with a pretty solid epilogue. I wouldn't say it's great. Um, I mean, it's, it's fun. It's fun for what it is in that epilogue. And it's definitely. You know, you a lot of people went into it thinking like, "Oh, could this be set up for you know some sort of connection or hint to the future, or anything like that?" And like, no, not really. It's it's basically just like let's cap off Melia's character a bit be- better, and it does that well.
2: Um, yeah, but I I completely bounced off uh, Future Connected. I I mean, and I love Xenoblade One. I've talked about that quite a bit, and this is the best version of that game easily, and I. Mm-hmm happily played through Xenoblade 1 yet again in Definitive Edition. What a fantastic game. I mean, it really is just I have so many good, great things to say about it, but yeah, I, I need to, I still need to go back and play Future Connected, but even though I was obsessed with playing through Xenoblade 1 again and I couldn't get enough of it, I, I played about an hour and a half or so into Future Connected and I just lost interest. I, I just didn't... I, I need to give it more of a chance, I realize, but... The quality differential, for me at least, was so wide between the main game and Future Connected that I just, I think it surprised me, frankly, and I just didn't feel the need to come right back to it.
1: Mm. Yeah, um, the problem is it just doesn't have this hook. A lot of the villains are pretty weak in it, not a lot of meat to them uh, at all, and the final final boss is a joke. Uh, And there's no, Uh almost no explanation to it whatsoever. Um, it it feels like it it could be set up, but it's so nondescript that it's like, eh. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But the main game itself, so many good quality of life improvements. It it, it is by far the best way to play Xenoblade 1. Um,
2: Oh, It really puts it up
1: there. Uh, All works super well. Uh, I was able to play up to, right before Prison Island, um... When I was doing my uh, playthrough for the review, because I, I beat it before, I didn't need to rebeat the whole thing. Thank God, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, um, I got, I, I went through all of Future Connected and had a good opinion of it. And yeah, this it is the definitive edition. Now give us Xenoblade Chronicles X.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, it it it's right now, it feels like it should be coming. I I that, it would surprise me if it never did, but they haven't really signaled any intent to. To, to right. port xcx over so i don't know but yeah i mean yeah if you haven't played xenoblade chronicles one this is the way to do it uh and it reaffirmed what i always suspected uh was my opinion but i even replaying xenoblade chronicles one i like it a b- bazillion gazillion trillion times more than xenoblade chronicles two like i I, and I don't hate xenoblade two i i enjoy that for what it is but i do hate that battle system and xenoblade ones for me it's still way better all these years later, and I know that's definitely a subjective taste thing. I'm not saying you're wrong if you like Xenoblade Two more. God knows on my Twitter, I know there are a bunch of people who my, who <laughs> highly prefer Xenoblade Two, and that's fine. But for me, playing Definitive Edition just reaffirmed what I already felt about Xenoblade One. Uh, you know, back when Xenoblade Two came out, and I compared the two.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Fair enough. And I didn't play X, so I can't really comment on X. But I know it's more of an open world you know, MMO-style experience, and that isn't typically my my jam. So, uh, yeah, but I can't comment on, on X personally.
1: I, I really enjoyed X. It'd be interesting to go back to X because I, it, it, to this day, I still label it as my favorite game on the Wii U. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I know a lot of people bounced off X because its story isn't as all-encompassing as the numbered entries. Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely more... Uh, Character-based, I'd say, because mm-hmm. you have a huge roster of characters you can do and uh, get involved with, and by raising their uh, affinity, you get more of their backstory and get interesting mm-hmm. things there. And by go- diving into those side quests and learning more about them, you get this sort of complete picture of New LA and the world. And I don't know, I was sucked into that game so hard. Nice.
2: Now I remember <laughs> you really and you you poured your heart and soul into that review. It was really long. Um, but yeah, no, I uh, this is definitely one of the most notable releases of the whole year for me. And uh, also, shout out to—they didn't need to to remaster the soundtrack because the original Xenoblade soundtrack was already fantastic. But they did anyway, and what a fantastically remastered soundtrack! I had so much fun switching back and forth, like in each area, just to kind of you know see the the, the differences in instrumentation. Well, here, the differences mm-hmm. in instrumentation, and just kind of. You know, get the different vibes, slightly different vibes they were going for between the two. And uh, of course, we can't talk about Xenoblade without mentioning the single most important decision they made, or didn't make, as the case may be, and that was to not re record the voices. Still one of the best Thank English God. voice tracks of all time, period. Flat out. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad they didn't change it. And unfortunately, feature Connected, it's not, obviously, it's not their fault for getting older, people get older, but you could definitely tell that Shulk and Melia did not sound the same, uh, <laughs> you know, compared to the, to the original game, which is completely fine, and they still did a great job, but it was, there is a difference there, and you could tell.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, before Steve falls asleep, because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. even Rob that? is like, and uh, Steve's eyes have glazed over, uh-huh. well, let's move on to a game he can get truly, truly yeah. excited Ooh. about.
0: Oh, clubhouse
1: well. Games 51 Worldwide Classics on released on June 5th. <laughs> oh
0: yeah, nice. <laughs> this is this when I think of nonstop action, I think of Clubhouse Games. Um, club Clubhouse Games. Uh, I actually had a load of fun with this game, and I didn't think I would. Like when I got handed the review for this, I mean, I hate to say it, but I, like I was the new guy at GX, so. <laughs> I didn't really get, like, the cream of the crop when it came to review copies. Like, I was always like, what's the thing no one else wants? This, <laughs> like, this, is, so, and this is
1: coming after Animal Crossing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to
0: be fair. But why did Before I get Animal, Animal Crossing? Crossing? Yeah. That's because I was the only dude on staff that played Animal Crossing. Like everyone, Which is weird yeah. because Andre did
1: play New Leaf,
0: but... Yeah, uh, I mean, it literally yeah. was just like, who wants to do this? And it was, yeah. I don't know, man. But anyway, so Clubhouse Games was actually way more interesting than I expected, not because the game itself is particularly exciting. It is a fun, like, diversion game, and uh, it was weird to roll off of Animal Crossing to this, right? Like, Mm -hmm. in terms of first-party Nintendo review content, because I was like, I just reviewed the biggest game of the year, um, which ended up being, like, GX's most viewed review of all time. And then I'm into this game that, like, no one cared about. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, there was you some know, interest. Bless Nintendo, but they like they were like you know all in on on giving us whatever we needed for this. They sent copies like a month early. There <laughs> they let us play it with the Treehouse, which for me as a Nintendo fan was one of my favorite experiences. Like I actually got to play oh, this sure. with a dude from the Treehouse, which I thought was really fun, and. I just want to point out that the tie in that video was not at all staged. Like we legit tied by the end of the thing. (laughs) Um, So that was really fun. And we vowed to have a rematch, which we both knew would never happen. And uh, (laughs) that's like uh, one of of the things I I won't name drop the Nintendo representative that I have this relationship with just because I don't want people to bother them. Um, But we, every time we see each other, we're like, we're going to play arms. We're going to challenge each other at arms. Like, and, and it's just talk. Like, it's never happened. Maybe it'll happen <laughs> right. someday, but uh, to this date, we've never met up in arms. And this particular Nintendo PR rep, like, plays arms religiously, like, daily. <laughs> but, um, right. yeah, you know, it's one of those things that's just the nature of my relationship with this person. But uh, Clubhouse Games... To... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead, Steve. Oh, no, I was going to say, like, Clubhouse Games actually came at kind of the right time because here in Arizona, like, as m- at that at that time... I'm proud to say it's no longer true, but at that time Arizona was a red state, right? And uh so lockdown didn't happen nearly as quickly here as it did right. everywhere else. We were still allowed to like go to restaurants in May. <laughs> like yeah. people people were still out everywhere. There wasn't even a mask order. Like I was wearing a mask, but the vast majority of folks weren't. And we were so like a couple weeks before we got clubhouse games to review. Um, My, my wife and I went on like a date. We were like, it's probably all going to come to an end soon. So let's just like hire a sitter and get out of the house before they just tell us we can't for our own sanity. And we went to like a bar, you know, and, and uh, had pizza, played pool and played darts and then just, you know, came home, whatever. And once we went into full on, like restaurants are closed You know, everything is shut down style lockdown. I missed that so much. And I was so I ended up calling the bar that I went to and asked them if they could make me one of their crappy pizzas like and I would just come get it. (laughs) (laughs) And I bought like a six pack of beer and I put on Clubhouse Games and my wife and I played it in our bedroom. And like we played darts against each other and we drank shitty beer and we ate (laughs) shitty pizza. And it was honestly like it did so much for my mental health to just have that night where we could pretend that everything was okay and that and that I nothing that. was weird. And that's cool. So so for that, I'll always like Clubhouse games. Um, but if you're looking for like the next great mind blowing Switch title, this ain't it. It's it's, it's a, a fun right. diversion. Yeah, but...
1: it's fun something to break out with your non gamer friends just to have exactly some fun. like one I, I discovered Monticello through it, and I was like, oh, Monticello is actually a pretty sweet game.
0: Yeah, we played it. Um, mm-hmm. We we played it um, in tabletop mode. It's one of the only Switch games that works better undocked, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and we played Moncala. We played uh, a couple other games just in tabletop mode. And, and that was just such a fun way to interact with my Switch that I don't think I've really done with any other game where I just take the Joy-Con off, drop the Switch itself in the middle of the table, and we just mm-hmm. use the touchscreen. And I honestly wish there were more experiences like that because the Switch. Does an incredibly serviceable job as a board game replacement you know, under the right mm-hmm. circumstances.
2: Mm. Nice. So it, it's funny, kind of like you guys. I I would not have you know when Nintendo announced this, I kind of just yeah, didn't care. It's not really my thing. I don't play a ton of board games. I, I play some, but not enough to care about something like this. And uh, so I kind of wrote it off. And then, uh, but you know, we use all each other's accounts, right? So we so we can like play each other's games. Uh, we did a Game Explain. We do it here. And so I, my wife and I decided to check out Clubhouse Games through the copy John had on Roxy's account. And so, fast forward several months, my wife and I have gotten so much out of that, and, and we only played Ludo. This is literally the only game we played in the entire collection. We, we've we've checked out the others, but have bounced wow. off some of the others. But we both love Ludo. Like like she used to play Sorry with her sisters all the time, and Ludo is essentially Sorry. And so man. my wife and I have made it like a routine for us now, where we will play Ludo a few times a week, and it kind of just becomes like this long-standing we, competition between us. That's funny. We are cut yeah, it's from been a lot different cloth
0: <laughs> entirely because I played I played Ludo with Andre uh-huh. and Jeff Grubb, and uh-huh. that match took like an hour. And I was no, really. so That's funny. Was, Hours only really take just... about
2: thirty minutes usually, but we're like, playing against the AI as well. So,
0: yeah, man, I just kept yeah. getting like stuck in the little jail and i couldn't roll to get uh-huh. out and i was like every role
2: enormously frustrating and it, and it's almost comical how how the game can be weighted toward the ai sometimes like it seems like the ai just actively get better roles than you do a lot of the time and you're, you're oh, yeah. almost playing just to be able to beat the ai because the odds seem so stacked against you but no, I, I mean I've gotten a l- way more enjoyment out of this game than I ever thought I would, and it's only one of the fifty-one worldwide classics. So that's to say nothing of the other fifty.
0: The one um, the, and I'm good. Oh, the one thing I was going to say is this game, despite saying it's four players, it's a two-player game. Like it is, yeah. uh-huh. it gets so much worse when you add more than two people into it because the like you go from you know, Clubhouse 51 classics to, like, Clubhouse 8 classics real fast. Uh Uh-huh, yeah.
2: (laughs) Um, Just to go back to something Steve said a little earlier, we obviously know that nobody in our live live audience or our Patreon or our, our patrons would ever harass anybody from Nintendo. We're more talking about when this goes to the public, you know out on youtube to everybody so that's why that's why we're not dropping any names but uh we know obviously that our patrons and you guys in the live audience are yeah 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 yeah.
0: exactly yeah we trust we we trust you but it's also just you know i don't have consent from that person to be just speaking their name (laughs) out on the internet so i would prefer not to do that because uh i have exactly definitely seen bridges burned for less yes
1: yes indeed yep well the next re- big release we had uh was actually a re-release. And there's been quite a few re-releases this year. But this one feels particularly important. June 13th, Persona 4 Golden. Ooh. Which I sure don't mean up-
2: June S 13th? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Sorry. I
1: have I, to. I have not actually picked up this version myself, but it was a massive deal because Yeah. yeah. We finally got Persona 4 on Something other than the PS, the Vita, which is nice. Why the hell is it on Switch and PS4 and Xbox One? Like, why isn't this on more systems? Because it's sold so incredibly well. Like Atlas is sitting on this, and it's insane
0: to me because it does so well for them. You know, I have to imagine that a Switch port has to be coming at some point down the road. Like, they I don't think they expected guard. this to do as well so. as they did. Yeah,
1: they seemed yeah. actively off caught off guard uh that they did so but, well.
0: You know, you know I want to I want to point out that I think this was a brilliant marketing move on Atlas's mm-hmm. part because I mean for you know be- a little behind the scenes information review codes for this went out before the game was announced. Like, yeah. you know, before the port was announced. And I know it was, like, kind of a shadow drop type situation. But they gave reviewers... I think John reviewed it for GX, like, enough time to play through the whole game. So that when they announced it, reviews dropped immediately. And so mm. you had this beautiful circumstance where no one knew this game was coming. And then the minute it came, you had a bunch of reviews saying it was awesome. <laughs> like, mm. and, and it was cheap. So people just impulse bought it in droves uh i don't think it would have sold nearly as well if uh sega and atlas had not positioned the the review timing so well for that yeah
1: and i, I think the right. funny thing is, is i uh i was <laughs> I, i'm usually the one who gets the sega atlas stuff and i got it i got the email it's like hey are you interested in this secret game that's coming to the pc well, we don't cover PC games on GX. I'm like, I just sort of ignored it. And and then I see from somebody else mentioning uh, all of a sudden Persona 4 Golden on PC. I'm like, wait, what? And I start scrubbing through my emails, finding this, and I'm like, I'm so sorry I missed this. Uh, I'm totally interested. And sure enough, it was Persona 4 Golden. So John, (laughs) because of me, only ended up with like a week. Thankfully, he had played the the Vita version before, so he just, you know, could play... 15 or so hours and know what it was all about you know uh, easily enough just for the for this port
0: so who <laughs> that was i was yeah. panicking a bit that for that it's one. almost a missed opportunity there yeah really i we right. have that connect right mm-hmm. so oh, looking boy. looking at this um i there's a big game on the 19th which obviously i'm going to talk a little bit about but we have uh-huh. to throw out their jump rope challenge i was going to say that one nowhere next, yeah and what the hell like i felt like this was just yeah i i thought about this at first and i'm like wow the folks at nintendo must be really bored in quarantine and then (laughs) the more i thought about it the more i was like actually this is really smart one i mean it's a good look for them encouraging people to stay active now that they're locked down in their houses but two i i would lay money that this was like just an internal test of like Let's see how our development pipeline works now that people are stuck in their houses. Can Mm -hmm. we reliably build a game with everyone working from home? And Mm -hmm. you know, so they, what, what do you do? You put together something crazy simple instead of, Hey, let's, let's kick up breath of the wild two development (laughs) and see what, see what (laughs) shakes loose. Like let's make a game about a, about a jump roping rabbit that uses minimal joy con function and see if we can go start to finish on a super simple game. Um, so I, I would bet money that that was some flavor of that is true with regards to how this game came to be, but Mm -hmm. it was, it was kind of interesting to see Nintendo just kind of one release anything for free, (laughs) like a free Mm. game and two for it to, to, you know, be kind of a socially conscious game in a sense. And, and to be the first of what would come to be many limited eShop releases, (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't play this at all so I can't comment too much but I agree with with what you said it, it it seems like something that seemed kind of like a what the hell got a bonehead decision is this that ended up actually being really really uh interesting and and, and resonated with people and then made kind of made sense in hindsight.
1: Yeah. I mean I didn't play it myself but it's, it's like yeah, it's cute. It's a cute idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It comes down to But let's go and move on to the June 19th game. Uh, And Steve,
0: (laughs) we're we're definitely talking about burnout. Oh, 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 how did I not see that coming? Um, The last of us part two was uh, my game of the year. So, Mm -hmm. and, and for all the reasons that one would expect, like, I think that the story in it was really incredibly compelling. I think that it did a lot to make me feel uncomfortable but not make me stop playing and that was that's something that very few games achieve um and i think that you know if you haven't played it the story that it tells between ellie and abby and and kind of how disgusting the cycle of revenge can be um how how people can become blinded by hatred and how you know all it takes is a simple realization to have like a transformative moment where you you know you can become introspective it it kind of shows that there's no binary good or bad in the world you know there are shades of these things and and Mm -hmm. someone you think is bad can also have some very good qualities about them um you know so You know, not to. I I don't want to spoil The Last of Us Part 2 for people in case there's anyone that hasn't played it yet that intends to, like Derek in the upper right. But (laughs) yeah, and I'm still about halfway through it. So yeah, it's just, it it has you wrestle with these ideas. Like they very much, the narrative pulls you in one way. It's like, hey, you're going to hate this person. And then they show you a different side of this person. And you're like, oh, wow, they're not, you know, they're not just some marauding force of evil like they have feelings and friends of their own and and they you know do things and it it really humanizes bad people in a way that i find deeply compelling um so you know i beyond that it's it's an extremely competent game the sound design is like out of this world good um you know i was I I played it with headphones, like these, actually these exact headphones. (laughs) And I (laughs) I remember just thinking, like, they did such a great job because these aren't special, fancy, you know, like they're just dual audio. They're not like, they don't pretend to be like surround sound headphones or anything. But I felt like I had a sense of directional audio, even with the limited capabilities of what I was using. Um, So Naughty Dog just did an amazing job. Do I think it, you know, I think it's one of those games that, from a narrative perspective will is in my top 10 mechanically it's it's solid but you know it doesn't break any new ground there Uh, other than the Mm. accessibility features which i really want to point out are top-notch yeah you know world-class accessibility features that i think if if nothing else every game should try to emulate at least that part of the last of us part two um Mm. Hmm. but you know then there's the whole other side of this thing right the internet well, hate i don't mob. even know if we need to get into yeah that i'm not i'm not going to because... dive into it because if if you've I mean, been on the internet you know what people <laughs> talked about we already know yeah. um and i really don't want to revisit that it's it yeah. was disgusting you don't need to dig up nasty. that corpse <laughs> i mean there are yeah. there
2: are criticisms of the game worth uh you know worth entertaining of course every game can have criticisms and yeah there are the other criticisms that hold no water because people are assholes some people well yeah well the funny and our intolerance that's really as far as it
0: goes the only thing i'll say about that is a lot of the criticisms i personally saw the invalid ones the ones that are just gross and and rooted Mm -hmm. in hate were wrong (laughs) like they they (laughs) they didn't even match what happens in the game uh you know so so that to me was hilarious because people people said and and did certain things about you know certain characters and they just weren't right which i found to be really funny happen quite often yeah it it seems like the more the more you're willing to pick up pitchforks and go online and and rant about things the less uh the less you are usually educated on the subject you're pitch picking up that pitchfork (laughs) about so what a shocker
2: what a shocker so so weird anyway
0: yeah yeah Yeah. well real quick
1: dan and twistle in the chat says i was really really loving it but there's a section of the game that really killed the momentum for me and so it was really Really? good but not not near my game of the year
0: and and that's fair i mean Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. for me i i know a lot of people say uh there there's a common point of contention with this game that i hear a lot as a common criticism and again i'm going to stay away from spoilers uh that they say kind of drags down the pace i've heard it nearly universally from people that uh didn't click with this game and again that's not an invalid thing like f- for me personally I got wrapped up enough in it to where I was like you know that momentum just kept me going through uh but I can definitely see how that you know with with different people in different places would would dampen their enjoyment like there's mm, there's right. no right answer to, to mm-hmm. opinions on games. There's never a, a end all be all answer unless it's just like, hey, you know, maybe don't post hateful racist stuff <laughs> like transphobic stuff. <laughs> that those things are never okay. That's objectively bad. But everything mm-hmm. else is fair game. Like you don't have to love a game story, you know, even if your favorite critic says they love it, and clearly I'm your favorite critic, right? Right. <laughs> I'm, <just kidding. laughs> right. I'm um, Ash's favorite critic.
2: Obviously. 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 No, obviously. I mean um <clears throat> No, I mean I, I'm about halfway through Last of Us Part Two, and uh, I have not gone back to it just mainly because I'm just you know just busy, too many games to play. Yeah, um, but I, it definitely did not keep me going in the sense that I I, I felt like I had to keep going. Like I want to see what happens, but it wasn't pulling me along as much as I necessarily thought it might. Um, still, really, I plan to go back and finish it. I might even just wait for a next gen update at this point because I have to assume Naughty Dog is making a PS5 version of last was of part two or maybe uh, mm. who knows like an update i don't know but I, I absolutely i love the characters obviously love this world um it's beautiful to even behold it's it's a gorgeous game uh mechanically it isn't that interesting uh, i have to say uh you know gameplay wise it is a, a more advanced and a more robust version of what came before but it doesn't necessarily break down any new barriers but it doesn't have to yeah i, I don't think games necessarily have to innovate no. To be amazing, you uh, yeah. No, you right. don't have
1: to have this yeah. entirely new experience in order to be mind blown by a game.
2: Yeah, no, and so I, I definitely intend to go back to it. And um, I, I uh, yeah, I, I think the main thing for me that kind of like uh, caused me to draw back a little bit is that obviously it's a very dark game. It, it's it's a it's a it's a treatment on hate and what it means to hate, and, and as kind of as you were saying uh steve there's a lot of hate and a lot of anger and rage in that game and you know as we all know 2020 wasn't the best year and by that i mean it was a dumpster fire so i i do find it difficult sometimes to you know i've had times where i could have gone back into the last of us part two and made a little more progress but i'm sitting there and looking at that or something like the game we'll talk about soon paper mario the origami king or something that's not as just incredibly horrifically dark and sad and I'm like, you know, I don't know if I really feel up to this right now. So that's one of the <laughs> – I will admit that's one of the reasons I haven't finished it. The other thing is I, I had to knock it down to easy just to, just to have as little trouble as possible with the dogs. I, I can't and, – and, and it's like a rule now that I have to pick dogs off from afar because I melee killed a dog once. Oh,
0: there, It's brutal. Once
2: and I will Mm. never. I couldn't. I couldn't. It's too. I was wearing my headphones and and you. I. mm, I can't. I can't. (laughs) Can't do it. Yeah. So shooting them is bad enough, but I can't bludgeon dogs in that game again. It's. It it was a little bit too much for me. I think. Yikes. Well,
1: I'll eventually get to it. Eventually, (laughs) I plan to. I I haven't picked it up yet because it's the longer I wait, the cheaper it gets. So (laughs) it's kind of a nice uh, thing there with Sony games. Either way, and the next uh, kind of big release. We're not gonna. I don't want to spend too much time on this. Just, just for the, uh, just because June twenty second, Kingdom Hearts Dark Road on the iOS and Android, uh, whatever. Eh, it's, yeah, it's whatever. Is learning more about him in the mobile title? I can't even get into, you know, whatever. I can't even forget. Oh, Union whatever. Cross. Union Cross. Like, yeah. I'll look. I will look up a. Uh, story summary, summary at some point, same. but I just have no interest in playing. Look, yeah, mean, you
2: guys know we're massive Kingdom Hearts fans, but like, we even when yeah. even, even we can't muster I up can't. enough energy to care about this, yeah,
0: there's I a reason to, they made yeah. it back cover. I just want to point out the art style for this game is atrocious. <laughs> oh, it's the same as the other mobile titles. So <laughs> yeah, wow, yeah. Oh, God, man, it's I it's hate. This. Bad. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Um, oh man, I can see why you guys. Way. Yeah, let's let's move on.
1: To June twenty third, with SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom rehydrated, I had I reviewed this one, and so many people were excited for it, and I bounced off it hard. I beat the game, but I'm like, this is what people were hyped for. This is the game people love, and apparently, the original's mm-hmm. better. Uh, this is yeah. a I heard. good remake. Of so it.
0: I was. This was one of those rare instances where i just completely misread the hype for a game like mm-hmm. i thought this was gonna be huge and yeah i thought so i too. i mean they sent me like i did an unboxing for it they sent me like the crazy ridiculously expensive collector's edition to unbox and i was like oh man people come in droves for this the hype for this game is through the roof nobody cared like nobody mm-hmm. cared at all that i unbox this thing i f- it was a bunch of freaking Spongebob statues. I put the game in because I was like, well, you know, I mean, it came with the game. I know I'm not covering it, but they bothered to send it. So I should at least like form an opinion. And it only took about five minutes to form that opinion. I was like, this is pure jank. Like I I have not played a platformer this poorly put together. That wasn't in early access in my life.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> there, Did you get this far in the first level where you had to do that? Thing that rocked back and forth. You needed to do a double jump in order to get to the other side, and your double jump was always gimped. Yep. Yep. Like nothing
0: in this game feels right. I I
1: fought so hard to get the momentum to get up and over, and just every section just not great. Yeah. And I hear from even people in the chat are saying the 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 original is way better. So I it's very it's become very obvious that the development on this was rushed in order to meet the movie that itself was delayed. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's so every, everything about this is unfortunate. It feels like a game that needed six more months. Yes. I mean, it, it just like, yeah, nothing about it was, was worth, uh, dropping the money on. And I think that crazy collector's edition that I mentioned ended up dropping down to like 60 bucks after, after a Oof. couple months, cause they couldn't move them. So yeah, what do you do? Yeah, I I
2: have no experience with the original. Um, I know people loved it. So I thought that this would be a surefire hit. And as you guys already said, apparently Rehydrated did not hit the mark. Not even close. And uh, so I'm also not a big I'm not a SpongeBob guy. Like I I don't dislike SpongeBob. I just never really got into it. So Mm -hmm. this kind of passed me over. But I know that people love the original. So sorry to say or sorry to hear at least that uh, Rehydrated didn't match up to the original
1: fantasy thinker fan said apparently it sold over a million copies by August so it was at least somewhat of a success but I think just bad word of mouth at that point just like eh it's mm-hmm. not as good as the original just get the original um, yeah so yeah uh, the last I'd, I'd say notable game to come out in uh, June was on the 24th Ninjala which I've only played a very little bit of because oh, for some reason Andre thought this was the new hotness and I was always the one volunteered to play it <laughs> and it's fine it's it's own unique flavor of splatoon clone and i never never got quite got the gameplay of it it just
2: i, I same
1: figure i i kind of figured it out but it also is like it just doesn't work as well yeah yeah i, yeah. mm.
2: I played a little bit of it of the, the of the demo or not demo of the yeah when they actually they released the pre preview whatever it was it's mm. it's just not my thing. I'd rather, this is the whole time uh, I was playing. It, I was like, I'd rather play Splatoon.
0: Right. Yeah. I was about to say, Ninjala makes a perfect case for that special something that's in every Nintendo game <laughs> because yeah. on paper, uh-huh. Ninjala just sounds like a cooler Splatoon. Like, oh man, Splatoon with ninjas. Like, sign me up. You know. And I was I played it at E three and you know the brief demo I had of it. I was like, this could be something and when the game came out it was just a wet fart man i did not <laughs> yeah. like i it's for the record it's not like actively terrible but it's just not entertaining either it, it it's it's just there and yeah it's the action died. doesn't feel rewarding the stakes don't feel high like there's something about splatoon when you're playing it that i don't know about you guys but that is like i sit forward in the chair I find myself holding my breath. I cuss at the damn screen. Like, I am I am in that Splatoon match. But Ninjala, like, I don't know, man. It's a snooze fest. I, I don't feel yeah. anything when I'm playing it. No excitement, no frustration, just nothing. And uh, it's a shame because it's a cool idea. I just wish Nintendo would have done it.
2: Right. Um, oh, uh, before we move on to July, uh, really quick, I want to back up one day and just say that we got a port uh, of Star Wars episode, episode One: Racer on June 23rd. Uh, came to the Switch and PS4, and uh, that was one of my wife's favorite games growing up on the N64. And, you know, playing it today, it, it's certainly aged, but it's still a pretty fun time. Uh, I know the Switch version had a horrifically low-res UI compared to the rest of the game, which made it for a very uneven visual experience but uh you know just uh it was one of the more popular racers back on in, on n64 racing games uh so just thought it was a quick you, you know quick what notable. n64
0: star wars game i really want on the switch i we want shadows Sh- of the empire
2: hell yes that's what i was thinking yeah yeah dash rindar man dash
0: rindar, he's non-canon he's, he's gone now i know yeah, he's i
2: canon. it hurts what a cool game that was though <laughs> yeah,
0: I I bought the book because of that game and read the book, oh, wow. uh-huh. and I don't remember anything of it anymore. I think I did too. I was obsessed yeah. with that with that uh-huh. property I think I did
1: too. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, all
0: right, well, moving on to
1: July, uh, I'd say the first notable release I'm seeing is uh, Crosscode, an indie release uh, that was sort of like you play this mute amnesiac girl from what i can tell from what i remember i only played enough for a uh, game and watch but i was intrigued by the gameplay and it basically takes place within an mmo uh within the game um and you're just trying to learn more about it while like some sort of mysteries going on in the background and a lot of people really like this game and i played a little bit of it and it's yeah. definitely fun um i, I played something a I'd like of to go too. back to
2: Yeah, I really want to have time to go back to this because what I played, I really enjoyed. And, uh, you know, who knows if or when I'll have the time, but I asked people for their opinions on Twitter about this game when I was thinking of checking it out, and almost unanimously the the, the, uh, feedback was very positive, and I can see why from the little bit I've played. So one of these days I'd like to go back and play it, Um, but, you know, who knows Mm -hmm. when. (laughs) Too many games, too little time, right?
1: Exactly. But what you all should make time to play... Bloodstained Curse of the Moon two because yeah. that was out of nowhere <laughs> and that was nice. Oh, that was that was a nice surprise. You get to play a cute little corgi in a mech yep. suit, and he's the best character because he can destroy spikes, and he's so freaking powerful in that game. Uh, nice. It is fantastic. Uh, it, it's I think it is better than the original Curse of the Moon, but it does have some of the some a few issues that hold it back a, a, a bit. Um, just because of the nature of the way it's played um, and how you have to go through things. Uh, The fact that you have to beat the game uh, four or five times in order to see everything, it's not something you want to marathon, really, if you want to see it all. It doesn't take that long, but it does get repetitious. And they try their best to change things up and keep things fresh, but it still gets to be a bit much at a certain point. But I... uh, great classic vania vibes
0: that's all you can say
2: yeah yeah I, it, it, it's great it's a cool game
0: i'm i'm not a huge uh old school castlevania fan i'm i'm like a How dare you <laughs> i know i know we can't all like I, i'm more things, i'm though. more into
2: the into the metroidvania stuff too. understand uh, yeah yeah
0: exactly like like when the metroidvania stuff really like that is one of my favorite genres now but um hmm. The older, the older style Castlevanias, I never really clicked with. That said, I do actually want to try this because Bloodstained is good, so I mm. should try Curse of the right. Moon. Um, and and they're cheap, they're cheap, quick to pick up. Yeah. So I don't know, I'll try it this year, hopefully.
2: I also Maybe. just continue to love how N.T. creates announces games. Like this is kind of like Blaster Master 2 where they announced it and released it pretty much at the same time, if, yeah. if I remember correctly. Like we had no idea. I think we had like Master a two-week gap. A sequel. Yeah. And then yeah, bloodstain curse of the moon too. Hey, it's here. Not like we're announcing it; and it's coming later. Hey, it exists and it's here. And I, I love that about NT Creates. Um, mm. And yeah, as you said, they had me at corgi in a mech. I mean, really, how can you beat that, right? <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, it's. I played both bloodstains, or I played the main Bloodstained as well as both both curse of the well, curses of the moon. Uh, and yeah, they're great. Uh, I'm not as big of a classic Vania guy either, Steve. But I still was able to enjoy this game. Uh, nice. They're not super it, so. hard. Yeah, they can be very
1: forgiving. Very forgiving.
2: Plus, you can also there's a really cool setting where if you're not into like that that classic Vania physics, where like when you jump, you have to commit to a certain direction, or when you get hit, you get knocked back like 50 feet. You can turn that off, and that's pretty cool. So if you're not into the classic Vania style of gameplay, there are ways to. Tailored more to your to make it easier for you if you want, which, mm-hmm. I, which I like. Um, nice. Before we move on to the next game, which I think we already know what it's going to be on the same day, we did miss something at the end of June, and that is that uh, Min Min released in Smash Brothers Ultimate on June oh, yeah. 29th. She was Fighters Pass 6, or uh, Character Pass 6, and uh, she came before Steve and Sephiroth. And so uh, that was an interesting thing only because of the way the reveal happened, right? Because we learned, like, in April... That the next Smash character would be an ARMS character. But that's all mm. they said. And then they made us speculate for like two months as to who that would be. And uh, I was hoping for either Twintel. Well, I was hoping for Twintel. But if not her, then Min Min. And I got Min Min. So uh, I, I think, think she's still a great kind of addition to the Min cast. Min. Yeah. I think most people wanted either Min Min or Twintel. And uh, I think Twintel is still a great addition to the cast. She plays unlike anybody else in the roster, which is always a good thing uh for you know for a dlc character and uh yeah so just wanted to we did mention byleth in january so we right, really didn't right. want to forget about the others
1: yep cool all right well the next game uh we also released july 10th deadly premonition to a blessing in disguise <laughs> <laughs> which uh Was it yeah though? I, I i i gave this one to uh uh Elliot uh uh, Johnny some call me Johnny's brother because he actually approached me way before he's like if you get a code in for Deadly Premonition 2 can I can I handle the review and I'm like sure because I'm pretty sure none of us cared and sure enough I got a code for it sent it over to him and I think um this is bad in a way very much different from the original like the original game is not great but it has a charm to it and mm-hmm. I don't know if the charm was quite there. I have not played it myself. I've just seen some of the gameplay, and it's like,
0: oof. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. I was actually really excited to play this. I've never played the first one. I just uh, I, I just wanted to see what the hype was about uh, from from fans of the series. And a code randomly showed up in my inbox. I didn't ask anyone for it. I wasn't trying to get it. They just gave me one like unsolicited and so i was like oh cool i will download it and check it out and um you you probably know if you if you've watched previous episodes of tnt uh, i consider john Linneman from digital foundry to be one of my one of my good friends and i had told him that a code just showed up and he's like yeah don't bother he was like, "Trust me, you do not want to try to play this game right now." And uh, sure enough, he put out a video like shortly thereafter, just showing it running at like no joke, Oof. like ten frames per second. And I was like, "Oh, um, yeah, I don't want to play that. That looks really <laughs> bad." I, yeah. I do remember, however, somebody posted a video where like they got the main character, I want to say like on top of a car, and the car was driving. And the game was running at, like, 5 FPS or something just (laughs) abysmally bad. And then suddenly, he just launched into the air, like, I mean, miles above the environment. And the game was running at, like, 1 FPS. It just couldn't keep up. Oh, no. I was like, yeah, I feel like my Switch might just explode if I play this game. So it's it's on my Switch. It's installed. And I just am too scared to open it. Wow. I feel bad for shame. fans of the game. Mm. Yeah,
2: because like you know the the original Deadly Premonition, I played some of it, not all of it, but it definitely it, it, it's like it occupies a very the room esque position in video games, but <laughs> in a good way, like in a good way, and and it, it embraces its you know its technical uh, badness to deliver something that is otherwise very special and very singular but there is a limit to just how bad you know a game's technical aspect can be before it just, it's just it's your diminishing returns, right? And yeah. I didn't play Deadly Premonition 2, but I watched various reviews of it. I, I watched footage, and it's... You know, I am not a graphics whore by any means. I appreciate good graphics, but I don't need them. But this goes so far the other way, and it's just laughably awful <laughs> how, how terrible the performance is. And they're looking... And we're, we're talking about early ps2 level visuals here on top of bad performance oh yeah it is yeah
0: by no means a good looking game either no
2: no no um so uh yeah there's there's, oh yeah etno ben said uh i just guess i appreciate this if someone tries to give you an unsolicited game code that's no good (laughs) referencing your uh yeah your story steve
1: all right, well, let's get to some good games because July seventeenth was a gift, uh, Ooh, yes. as both Ghost of Tsushima and Paper Mario: The Origami King came out that yes. day. And
0: um, what a day!
1: You know, people were down on. We'll, we'll start with Paper Mario: The Origami King because that's the one I actually played. um, People were down on it. People weren't sure, uh, and I, I, I'm glad to see the narrative surrounding the game. Ended up to be mostly positive, because most people are like, "Ah, I don't know about this. This is looking like mm, trash, the battle system. Where's the experience points, all that. But then you play it, and this is a full-blown adventure game, and with a very charming story, uh, with some fantastic characters. Um, And I really did have a blast streaming it when it came out. Uh, Really did have a lot of fun. And there are some moments that hit you (laughs) in Uh ways that you would not expect.
2: Could you say there are some moments that explode right in your face, Derek? Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
1: And then there's other things that just – like there's some moments that just make you laugh like crazy, just the insanity that you're seeing on display. It just has so much fun personality. And then it gives – you know, I appreciate the fact because everyone is like, "Really, you're fighting stationary as your bosses?" And then they give a mm. freaking reason for why it's stationary. I'm like, "Cool, cool, well mm. done." Also, as Asmund says, uh, I don't know about soundtrack of the year, but it's certainly uh, a freaking amazing soundtrack.
2: Yeah, I, I I've been I've mentioned this a few times. This game was probably the most delightful surprise of the year for me. I wasn't nice. expecting it to be bad, and I was looking forward to it. But, you know, I've, I've been very clear about how I, I also think that the best Paper Mario games are the ones that are more, you know, traditional JRPG mechanics, like Thousand Year Door, 64. Um, and, you know, I like Color Splash enough, but I didn't love it. So I was, yeah. I, I was kind of like, you know, keeping my expectations in check. And god damn, this game is awesome. Origami right. game is awesome. And it's, I mean, it has problems. I, I don't love the battle system. and In fact, I would say the battle system is the one part of the game where it really does falter. Uh, so mm-hmm. it is certainly not perfect. But if you, it's also still a fairly pretty good battle system. And if you can get past that, everything, and I mean everything, surrounding the battle system is the best that Modern Paper Mario has ever been. And I mean, and it's not even close. This is mm-hmm. a new high for Modern Paper Mario. And as Azran said, the soundtrack. I, I was so sure that FF7 remake wouldn't even have any close competition for my soundtrack of the year. And while it is still ultimately my favorite soundtrack of the year, Origami King came really close. And it kind of reminds me of that uh, of that meme where the guy's walking with his girlfriend, and and like he's like looking back at the girl who just passed them, and that's like for me. My girlfriend was Seven Remake, and then I was looking back and checking out Origami King because I'm like, "Where did this come from? (laughs) This soundtrack is unbelievable, and it really is. And the writing is great, and it uh, the visually, it's it's one of the best looking Switch games I've ever seen. It's a gorgeous game, and the characters, uh, and there's that probably the single most surprising scene that I've story development slash scene that I that I experienced this year in games came from what you know what I'm talking about, Derek, mm-hmm. that Paper Mario games don't, at least modern Paper Mario games, don't really go for the jugular like that. They don't really go for that emotional, you know, twist the knife.
1: Hell, that, the original Paper <laughs> Mario games rarely went for the jugular like that. Yeah. So. Not like that,
2: yeah. They're, they're, it was a little more, like in, in Thousand Year Door and then uh, Super Paper Mario, you definitely got some of that darker stuff that really made you, you know, made, it made you feel, but Oh, man. Origami King, that one... (laughs) I I, I think about it now, and I still get goosebumps. And I just could not believe they went there. And I'm so glad they did, though. Because it was something that I didn't expect from a modern Paper Mario game. And uh, it really, you know, reminded me just how, ironically, three-dimensional Paper Mario can be in its storytelling. Mm -hmm. So, fantastic game. If you haven't, check it out. I know, Steve, you haven't played it, right? You haven't had a chance?
0: I've played, like... A little bit of the first area, so yeah, not. Okay. I, I would count it closer to not having played at all. But I gotcha. Mechanically, I've enjoyed it so far. That's hmm. good.
1: Well, tell us about uh Ghost of Tsushima because I haven't touched that game.
0: Oh man! So the longer, the more time that passes since I reviewed this game, the more fond I become of it. Uh oh, Ghost cool. of Ghost of Tsushima is a game that I probably rated like oh no it's probably just right i am trying to remember if i rated it a like a lot or a love if i did not rate it a love it should be um it is just way it's not given enough credit because of the time at which it came out like people were already just thirsting for playstation 5 info by by july and right um ghost of tsushima largely flew under the radar for a lot of people because they were like oh it's just another sucker punch action game you know um and but it is just so beautiful i mean Mm -hmm. you know you you play in uh i want to say it's 1400s like feudal japan on the island of tsushima which is a real place like it's an actual you know place in japan that certainly isn't overrun by mongol hordes anymore but even (laughs) the mongol invasion took place like it, it is in some ways a historical piece like you know it's like a fictionalized version of true historical events um so you know mongolians invade this small island in japan with their eye on the mainland uh you play as jean sakai you're a samurai and your whole clan has been wiped out and so you have to like you know you're you're on a quest for to save your island but also for a personal you know vengeance against uh the the army that wiped out your people. And I mean, there's just so much uh to this game that that reminds me of like old uh Akira Kurosawa movies. And I love mm-hmm. that. Like there's duels, you know, there there's literally like the legit stereotypical ass like duel on a beach next to crashing waves, you know, and um it, it's just the presentation is so good and then post launch they bolted on an entire multiplayer mode that feels kind of like destiny but with samurais and it we played it uh ash and i streamed it with uh blessing adioe jr from kind of funny on gx that's a that's a whole word soup right um (laughs) and it was a blast dude i had so much fun uh blessing by the time he played it with us was way over leveled compared to us but Everyone was able to, like, remain competitive and fight. And I remember towards the end of the stream, there was a moment where Ash and Blessing were both down. Who who was our fourth? We had a fourth, didn't we? No, I don't think the, we did. Was it just no, the th- three of us? Was
2: it? I think it was just the three of us, mm. I thought.
0: Yeah, I think you might be right. But either way, the yeah, two of you were down. I had, like, no HP left. And I managed to, like, rescue the two of you right at the end. And I remember just coming away from that feeling like totally electrified. I was so hyped for just how much fun I was having. And I keep telling myself I'm going to go back and play it again, but time gets away from you. Ghost of Tsushima, though, excellent game. Um, Yeah, I
2: really want to go back to it. Yeah, uh, I I played the first few hours and then multiplayer with you, Steve. And I don't even play a lot of online multiplayer, and I really enjoyed that whole experience. And I I like what I played of the main campaign, too. I just need time to go back to it. But I really was was uh, invested in what I played.
1: I'm going to go on a PlayStation binge here soon. Maybe when I want to get the <laughs> yeah. PS5 uh because I got God of War, Last of Us Part 2, Ghost of Tsushima uh you know, they have all kinds. Miles play. Morales, All's man. Fantastic. Miles <laughs> Morales. Uh, yeah so many.
2: Astro's Playroom as I've been mentioning is just blowing me away right now. Right. Hell yes. Yeah. W-
1: well looking at the rest of the uh, month of July I only the only two things I see pop out at me as maybe notable is carrion which uh, got did get nominated for like best indie game and I've not played it myself but I you know I, my favorite horror movie is the thing so it's kind of cool to be able to play it that you can play a game from the perspective of the thing and uh, run wild and do all of that but I've not had a chance to play myself and then destroy the remake of destroy all humans, which is apparently a lot better than what SpongeBob got. (laughs) That's what I've
0: heard. I've not played either of those two games, Mm -mm. unfortunately. Um, you know, I played like the original destroy all humans, but I haven't touched the remake at all. Um, and carrion looked really cool, but I didn't, I didn't cover it. So I just ended up not playing it, but I'm, I'm sure they're both really great games.
2: Yeah. Mm hmm.
0: I
1: uh, honestly. Yeah, I didn't I
2: play think... either myself. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gosh. No, no, I didn't play either one either. I, I, uh, I really like Devolver Digital stuff, but based on footage of Carrion, it just wasn't quite the kind of game I, I thought would resonate with me, uh, as opposed Fair. to something like Gato Roboto, which they that was their previous game, I think they published, which I loved.
1: Hmm. Well. Uh, I know you're the host, Steve, but I have a feeling that we should probably stop there because yeah. I don't think August is going to be as busy. But I think <laughs> we just talked so much for whatever reason this chunk.
2: Zen-o-boy. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm moving ahead to <laughs> August right now, and there isn't a whole lot to. cover. There's a
1: few things here and there, but I still think we, Steve, having to go to you know dinner soon, mm. probably. Yeah, here. yeah.
0: I am I am about to turn into the proverbial pumpkin. The one thing I will say though is we will kick off with Fall Guys, which I'm really excited to talk about Me too. in the oh, next nice. episode. So just so we can let our folks know, oh, I think we'll be back on this Monday, correct? We're just going right into the next well, I TNT think, episode. I think we
2: were thinking of actually getting Spawn Wave uh, to join us on Monday for news, so we wouldn't have too much news pile up. Right, on right, mm-hmm. right, right, we right. Gonna, and I can actually confirm that my, tw- uh, my DM to Spawn Wave was responded in the affirmative, to in the affirmative. Sweet. So it's looking like we're going to have Spawn Wave on with us on on monday
0: nice so i can't completely
2: confirm that yet we're gonna finalize it but they are interested so we're thinking news on monday with uh spawn way to get us caught up from the news from today and going through the weekend and then tuesday we'll have an extra episode for you guys where we wrap up our 2020 look back
1: yeah that because news is happening a lot more often than i thought it would for this time of year yeah (laughs) yeah yeah
0: so all right folks i am gonna i'm gonna take us out here then uh so with that we've covered all the way up until august 2020 we are making our way 2020 say what july oh i said up to august 20 sorry did i say through got it got it got it i thought you said through all right let's let's take it out take two all right all right so with that everybody we have made our way all the way up until august 2020 my favorite month because i came out that month but uh so we will pick it up on Tuesday. Join us however Monday for the next episode of TNT where apparently our guest may be Spawnwave, which would be amazing. I'm a huge fan of his. I've literally never talked to the dude, so expect me to fanboy out on the next episode. Uh that wraps it up for this very special episode of Last Year Tonight. It's definitely nothing different. And we will be back Monday, but before we leave, we have to give a special thank you to all our patrons at the producer tier and above for making this weird show happen. <laughs> thank you guys so much for all your support. And I just want to say, uh, off script, I've, I've seen a recent influx of new patrons. I am so glad that all of you are coming to join us, but as My colleague Ash always says at the end of every episode, even if you're not a patron, we just appreciate you being here. A like, a subscription would help us out immensely. Any little bit of support you can do, even if it's just sharing a video, goes a long way. And we appreciate you all for that. Uh, But before I end this episode, we have to thank our – we have to give an extra special thank you to our – producer. Wow, (laughs) I'm flubbing. (laughs) We have to give an extra special thank you, if I can get it out of my mouth, to our patrons at the executive producer tier. And those fine folks are Rob, r X, Dan and Twistle, Z-Patty, Adam O'Sullivan, Floating Mew, Christopher, The D-Pad, Vesmio, Waffle King, Kieran Phillips, Benny Yao, my mom. Hi, mom. <laughs> Geller, Shiny Turkey, Titus Malvolio, Michaelphone mitchell herring game explain charles zaz andrew medeiros jonathan bellmare kitty kong facts patrick harrison scott barber evernight studio rocks the cat loyal dingo azran 127 phantom 1- <laughs> phantom 23 not phantom 123 sean garrett <laughs> shadow the cat guillaume monet kai ed kit fisto and oram m remember you can you too can become a patron over at patreon.com slash gvgaming where you can watch today's news tonight live and listen to me screw up the outro twice for as little as five dollars a month thank you all so much for watching if you liked before this video we, before
1: we oh, end off completely i believe we missed you i believe you skipped jake pelka when you were reading through the list oh man uh, did i there. Right. and, and we do have a new uh, executive producer top dog
0: all right yeah, top dog 23100 yeah i apologize you're not <laughs> there's two lists in the doc i can't keep yeah. track we're I right, we moved it. right i'm sorry
2: i thought we did yeah that's yeah but no but we, we we got him so that's the important thing
0: you're you're in the credit roll anyway just imagine i said top dog 23100 welcome back to the executive producer club i remember you were here yes. in the early episodes i am so glad to see you back and i know you've been a producer the whole time we appreciate you so much updating your pledge um Let's talk. Sorry. Michael phone actually caught me with one of his jokes in the, uh, in the chat. Anyway, y'all that wraps up this episode of today's news tonight. We will be back Monday and you were getting an extra episode out to you on Tuesday as well. Uh, Stay tuned for more on that, but we will see y'all next week until then. Good night. and Good vibes. Bye.